Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We should prepare for the long-term the tensions and fixed confrontation. Welcome to the National Security Podcast, brought to you by the ANU National Security College, with support from PolicyForum.net. In this episode, Akihiro Iwashita, professor at the Slavic Eurasian Research Centre at Hokkaido University, joins Professor Rory Metcalf to discuss Japan's relationship with Russia and China. Before we get into it, we'd like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people, traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Welcome to the National Security Podcast. This episode of the podcast features a special guest uh, visiting us from Japan. It's fantastic to see Japanese scholars visiting Australia again as, as borders open uh, for robust debate on the big strategic issues of the day. And our guest today is Professor Akihiro Iwashita, who is with the Slavic Eurasian Research Centre at Hokkaido University. And I guess that's a way of saying that we have here today one of Japan's leading specialists, not only on Russia and Japan-Russia relations, but on the strategic challenges of the broader region. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, welcome to the National Security Podcast, Professor Iwashita. Thank you for the great invitation. It's my pleasure. So today I'm hoping we can speak not only about Russia and the Russia-Japan relationship and obviously the, the consequences of the invasion of Ukraine for that strategic dynamic, but I'm sure we'll also get to questions about China, uh, Japan's relations with China, Russia-China relations. This is pretty important for our listeners in Australia and across the Indo-Pacific because I think too often we uh, are trapped into a, a mindset that the strategic dynamics of our region are all about China and the United States, the US-China relationship. Whereas, of course, there's, uh, I think, quite a compelling multipolarity at work in the future of the region and the world. And it's expertise like yours grounded in a deep study of history that I think unpacks that story for us. So, if I may begin by asking you for your assessment of the current state of relations between Japan and Russia, and especially how that has been affected by the, the brutal invasion of Ukraine this year. I think that since the collapse of the Soviet Union, the new Russia period, we enjoy the uh, happy time, uh, the kind of thought time. Uh, even uh, the Japan had a dispute uh, territory uh, with Russian northern territories, but nevertheless, uh, the uh, Gorbachev everything early Putin had good good relation diplomatic ties with Russia, Japan side. 
So uh, particularly, I came from Hokkaido, the local areas, so mutual exchange, Sahalins, Kuril's, Russians, uh, the, in a special basis uh, because of our territorial disputes. But we had good contact. But after Russian invasion of Ukraine, everything has changed. A good 30 years expired. So now the particularly the borderlands area of Japan stuck with little relation with Russian locals. So this is a very serious uh, impact on Japan, I think. Of course, uh, diplomatic relations is a bit different. Uh, Japan show a very, very strong will against Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is a very good thing that because we Japanese always respect international law-based relations. Russia particularly and uh, broke up the situation, good situation under the Cold War, post-Cold War period, and also in French, basic international norms. So this kind of a difference we should keep in mind. So I will provide a little bit of context here uh, because probably not all of our listeners are familiar with the, the history of uh, Japan-Russia relations. And of course, that for much of history, the last 100 years, the last 200 years, it's, it's not been a happy history. Um, so there are clearly unresolved issues between uh, Russia and Japan. Uh, there have been attempts, as you say, towards a, um, a more positive conciliatory relationship uh, in recent decades, and that presumably has been severely damaged by what's happened this year. Could you perhaps give us in a, in a nutshell just a, a quick summary of uh, Japan-Russia relations and, and, and why it's such a difficult relationship to resolve? Oh, this is because uh, it depends on the history. Uh, the Japan the territory uh, before the Meiji Restoration uh, not reached uh, the Hokkaido, all of the Hokkaido itself. Then the, uh, we also the developed the North orientation to the peoples working with uh, so-called Northern Territories, Kureyus. But Russia also empire. The uh, expand down to the uh, Ohotsk or some Japan Sea places. Then we uh, the uh, met uh, the these islands areas. But in uh, the late of nineteenth century, we agreed to the demarcation. Then four islands near Hokkaido is uh, Japanese. So that we said that in a kind of heritageous uh, islands. Uh, but in Japan, uh, the after that, the soul days, uh, uh, the took southern Kuril's, no, southern Kuril's, as well as of the, the uh, southern Saharin periods. Then, but in, uh, of course, after that, the northern Kuril's have been exchanged with south Saharin's. It's peaceful negotiations. After that, you, you know, the uh, kind of uh, war, Russo-Japanese war in 1904 to 5. Then Japan wanted to occupy uh, the uh, South Saharin to the uh, colonized Japanese territories. But the Putin's mind, 
uh, there this uh, kind of mo- motion in Japan's aggression. Therefore, even in the Stalin period, uh, the uh, Soviet army the, the uh, occupied down in the end of the World War Two, ignoring the Japan Soviet neutral pact. Then they occupied the uh, all of the Kriegs, including southern three Kriegs, just uh, heritage uh, islands of Japan. This is starting point of Japan uh, Soviet Russia's not so good relations. But we should think that even the Cold War period, we Japanese never wage war with Soviet Union. Uh, it's not so good relations, not friendly, but coexistence continued. So after the collapse of Soviet Union, we are more mutual independence. So in this sense, uh, the, despite all the bad histories and not so good relations, at least, particularly in the post-Cold period, post-Cold War period, Japanese and Russia enjoyed not so bad time, rather happy time than before. But now it's break up. And then the, I think again, for broader context for listeners, the the history of conflict between Japan and Russia was essentially, as you say, the, 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 the war of 1904-1905, which I think had enormous resonance across the region, partly because of the message that sent to um, a lot of emerging Asian powers uh, that it was possible to confront and, and even defeat a or, or, or bring to terms um, a European uh, imperial power. But also, of course, the um, the conflict between uh, Imperial Japan and Russia uh, in the broader Second World War, and the fact that when, if you like, that war ended globally, the um, the territorial issue was not resolved between uh, Japan and Russia, particularly with with, with Russia's occupation of um, of the islands uh, of what Japan would see as its northern territories. Do you see that as being an issue that just needs to be permanently put aside, or is that an issue that at some point will have a resolution? This is a good question. Uh, the Premier Abe Shinzo uh, factually tried to resolve the territorial disputes issue. Uh, but the, uh, finally, in short, uh, the, he, with regret, failed to do that. Vladimir Putin, uh, the neighbor, Want even one island back to Japan. This is was this is a reality we now faces. Even uh, COVID nineteen do not did not happen. Even Russia's war with Ukraine did not happen. The situation never be changed. So in that sense, uh, the Japan and the Russian relations uh, for the time being in a shorter period. No hope. But nevertheless, we are neighbors in the geopolitical sense. Uh, so how to manage the, the challenging situation? This is uh, our mission to uh, seek, seek a new future. Other neighbors of Russia, and I'm thinking, for example, uh, you know, the Baltic states, Finland and, and so forth, uh, this year have seen the invasion of Ukraine as a reason for them to look much more robustly to their own security, their own defences. 
What's the perception in Japan? Is there a perception that Russia has become a more threatening power in Asia as well as in Europe, or is it uh, more complex than that? I think that Russia uh, traditionally has two different profiles toward East and West. For Russia, the West is a top priority uh, every time. So now the Russia showed strongly the uh, toughness on the Western front. But before the Russian war with Ukraine, the Russian always with good face to East. This is completely different faces to East and West. So in that sense, uh, I guess many Russians have question, why Japanese so much criticize Russia? It, this is because of Western story. We never influence the relation with Japan. Why? Kishida criticize Russia so much. Probably they do not understand well. So in that sense, uh, in Eastern Front, for the time being, uh, the, we do not care about threat at all. But future is a different profile. I had a good Chinese friend working with Russian studies. So the back to the early 90s, my good Chinese friend said to me, why Japanese government now seriously try to resolve the territorial disputes? Not so serious for Japan, uh, the, because China those days made a great mutual concession on the island issues. They also had uh, 4,000 kilometers borders. China also had a concession, but Japan never had concession. Four islands, four islands. Chinese friend criticized me. I just replied, I'm not a government guy. This is not my business. But why Chinese friends said to me so? Now it's an unbelievable period of Russian foreign policy. Russia has come back. It's a very soft Russia. We never saw that. In 10 years, Russia's back to the strongness, aggressiveness, Chinese friend is right. Therefore, they had a deal until 2004 to finish all of the border disputes between China and Russia. We, Japanese, failed to that. So, in this sense, the some East European countries also right. If now we do not join the NATO, Russia's back. Now Russia's back. So, I guess, next generation. What, what, what Chinese researchers think of the future Russia? Russia might be back to East. They never remember the 1960s confrontation. Between, between, between yeah, between China and Dao issues. Yeah. So the, I think that uh, Chinese, some Chinese experts, even now, are uneasy about future Russian orientation back to East. We'll be right back. 
Around the world, democracies are in crisis. Leaders have become followers. Populists offer glib solutions to complex problems, and people search for answers. Block out the noise. Each week on Democracy Sausage, we go deeper to bring you insights from leading scholars, journalists, and commentators to help you make sense of the world. I'm Mark Kenny from the Australian National University. Join me at the Democracy Sausage Hot Plate every Monday and Thursday. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's come back to China-Russia relations. That's, a, I think, a globally significant issue that we need a better understanding of, uh, because there is a perception that that's, you know, that, that 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 that's a fundamental challenge. That relationship to a uh, a rules-based international order. That's that's one sure. one strong view. Uh, but on Japan-Russia relations, I just want to press you one more time um, about the question of whether. Uh, Japan perceives Russia to be a security challenge, a risk, a threat. The uh, the harassment of Japanese forces by Russian aircraft, in particular, uh, you know, the the, the scrambling of uh, Japanese yeah, yeah, yeah. air force. The incident recently, the arrest, uh, the detention of a Japanese diplomat yeah. in, in Vladivostok. In Vladivostok. Um, how do you interpret those that, 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 those kinds of episodes and? Or you, or how does the Japanese policy establishment interpret that? Uh, should you be worried? These ten years before the Russian invasion, such kind of things happen. Mm-hmm. So the Bastos, a couple of years ago, the our correspondent, Japanese correspondent, also arrested and to the expel. The the scrambles on the Hokkaido air or something these are always daily. So it bit much more than before, but I don't think. Too serious. Rather, the China's China's presence is care concern for Japan government and Japanese people. And if China is the number one security challenge for Japan, then how how do you see the China Russia relationship uh, as a strategic challenge? A great question. Uh, the uh, ten years ago, so many researchers, including the Japanese diplomat wanted to make deals between Russia and China, at least keep Russia away from China. Therefore, the particularly back to the 2000s, uh, late 2000, uh, even the United States uh, State Department expert thought Russia, Russia was not a revisionist country. They said, they did not say name China, but in Asia Pacific, there were revisionist country. Russia should be a potential for partner with us. Japanese foreign policy guys, similar opinion. Therefore, they want to have Russia 
the involved with U.S.-Japan side. But it failed. Russia and China has a different open mutual relations. I, as I told you, so the, by 2004, uh, Russia and China successfully completed disputed border areas by mutual co- concession. After that, for Russia, for China, they didn't care much about long, long borders. Then China can concentrate more on south. It means that maritime zone presence. Russia is also pay much attention to Western Front. But this, this kind of relations is a basis. Of course, they have different national interests. So it's a kind of uh, quash alliance, I think. But it's not so strong, strong relations. Yeah. They like to give the impression that it's a strong partnership. You know, the uh, the extraordinary agreement that was signed in February this year, the supposedly forever friendship that they have or the no limits partnership, I think is the, the English translation they kind of talked about, um, the energy relationship. There was, of course, uh, for many years, a very close relationship in the weapons uh, industry and armaments, although increasingly China reverse engineered yeah, what yeah, it you, took you, from Russia. You're right. There's so many elements right. there. So is it is it just an illusion? Is it a fantasy? I, I said that the Quash Alliance, yeah. not alliance itself. Yeah, so quasi-alliance. If really alliance, the, the China should start war <laughs> to support more in armed bases. The Quash Alliance, it means that it's a different interest. They understand each other, but unite the same front against same so-called enemy. So would Russia, how would Russia support China if China got into confrontation with Japan or with the United States or with Taiwan? If China got into confrontation in East Asia, what would Russia do? No. At least one knows that they uh, do not have full capability to do support so in that thing. And the other thing that the Russia does not want to be involved in Eastern confront, as I told you, the Russia has different profile to East. Of course, they show a good will, the good pose to China and to do something. But uh, they also keep away from this uh, kind of uh, incidents because they should pay much more attention to West. It's a China the same. China's top priority of uh, the, this uh, this South maritime borderlands, including border sea or in Taiwan, and uh, so th- Chinese do not have an interest to join the war w- with Russia. So of course, they showed a goodwill and pose uh, the uh, something uh, against sanctions. This is true. It's a quasi alliance level. But China also doesn't want to be involved in the Russian war. No okay. interest. So, so in that case, how do you think the Chinese leadership feels now regarding the agreement with Putin? The um, you know the the in my view um, catastrophic folly of uh, Putin's decision to invade Ukraine and to to push that invasion so uh, so aggressively. 
Does China feel that it has made a mistake, do you think, in, in getting so close to Russia? Officially, yes. Officially, yes. One reason is that once Xi Jinping uh, clearly says the support for Putin, it's difficult to retract about this uh, saying. But in the national, the national interest, national interest level, as I told you, that if they have a different interest, if they more strongly support Russia, the sanction came U.S. or Europe, Japan to China, it's a serious damage to Chinese national interests. They want to the uh, abate that kind of the orientation. Uh, secondly, uh, the also uh, it's a psychological thinking. The as I suggested. This many Chinese researcher on Russia criticized Russian behavior. I, I guess they thought Russians are invasion. It's a too brutal, not civilized manner. But they, of course, they never say it openly. But of course, in the, within the regime, the within the party channel, they should discuss about it. So your sense is there is yes, criticism yes, yes. inside therefore, China. Therefore, the, the, there are many guys want China not to lean on Russia so much. So do you think from here? I mean, it's very hard to predict what comes next in this in this awful conflict. But do you anticipate that China will not strengthen its support for Russia from here? That that. that Putin's got everything he can do. Uh, you love the history. Back to the history of the collapsible Soviet Union. What did China Communist Party discuss? One good thing. No threat to disappear. Great for China. Bad thing. Only China should face up against the United States. This is a challenge. So it means that weaker, too weak Russia, not good for China. But too strong chi- Russia is also not good for China in that sense. Therefore, China should rescue Russia at least uh, minimum level as a partner against the United States. So, the, so the China, of course, never want Russia completely defeated, too weak Russia. So I think that China would try to navigate uh, the between the two scenarios so to keep the situation. I think that's a that's a very sound analysis, but in practical terms, it, it's difficult to understand what that means immediately. Does that mean some kind of economic support? Does it mean potentially breaching the international sanctions regime? Uh, how would China ensure that Putin is not defeated? I don't think that China can't uh, work as a mediator in the sense. I think that the, rather India can do it. Because in the, India is a very, very well balanced player in international relations. So India, India foreign minister came to the Australia recently, but the, uh, you Australian pay much attention to the uh, kind of quad relations. Oh, India, why not so serious work in the quad? But I don't, I have another idea. India was a member of Shanghai Cooperation Organization. So India blocked some Consensus of the SEO. Last month, the, uh, in Samarkand, they had a conference. Uh, as you know, the uh, Modi premier of India criticized Putin. It's a famous history. But resolution itself. So three resolutions. 
of the Shanghai Corporation Organization Summit. One is food security, second is energy security, third is one belt, one road. These three, India never signed. I think that this is the first time in the SCU history. Because first two, food security or energy security, they criticized sanctions without name. It means that they criticized U.S. or U.S. sanctions, so, uh, the, but India never joined. The third one, in one belt, one road, the SEO supported, but India did not write it. So the India is very well balanced. So I think that here now, the time of India's presence. That's, and that's an interesting testimony, I think, to the uh, the independence and, and the agency of India as uh, a power in global affairs, because I think there is sometimes some false assumptions that India is either entirely becoming aligned with the United States through the Quad or that India is somehow never going to be reliable right. as a partner because of its own desire to have a, a reasonably close relationship with Russia. And I think your analysis points to a much more, I think, a much more uh, interesting uh, future for India. Yeah, please check the SEO side on the English information. Yeah. You can check it. It's okay, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Right. And that's useful too because, again, a lot of simplistic interpretation <laughs> of India's membership of the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, sometimes posits India as somehow choosing that as a new form of alignment against yeah. the West. Yeah. Yeah. And your analysis says that's that's not true. Um, can I finish with just two questions about, um, firstly, about, about Russia, and then finally, uh, I guess, your own reflection, if I may, on the legacy of um, the, the late former Japanese Prime Minister, Abe, because of course the uh, the tragic uh, death of Prime Minister Abe this year is is uh, is something that has has really marked uh, this this phase in in Japanese history. But on Russia itself, uh, you are a Russia specialist, and so we're recording this conversation in October 2022 at a probably a crucial point of the um, the Ukraine invasion by by Putin. The question now is that Ukraine is pushing back very forcefully, very formidably, very capably. Um, there has not been the kind of fatigue in Ukraine or its democratic supporters that perhaps Putin was hoping for. Russia is doing very poorly on the conventional battlefield. There are fears being expressed that Putin may escalate in some way, for example, or indeed most, mo mo most grievously uh, with the, the use of nuclear weapons. What do you think about Putin's choices now? What do you think uh, his choices are and what would the consequences be? I can't exclude 100% of the uh, possibility of use of tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, but the, uh, you, you can't exclude it 100%. Uh, it means that uh, the, uh, I can't say that Putin never used yeah. Because it's kind of uh, nothing about 100%. Yeah. Uh, but I think that uh, Putin would not use that because the, uh, we look at the Russians' revenge on after the Crimean bridge was broken down and the uh, conventional weapons attack missiles so seriously. And this is the first step. Uh, the, we illustrated. And if Putin used the 
nuclear weapon even a tactical the china and uh, india would change its uh, position and so many asian countries african countries still not want involved to be in the conflict uh, of course uh, criticize uh, putin well, it means that complete isolation of russia in the world it's also great risk and of course, the NATO, the United States suggests and the serious counters. So it's working as a deterrent still. Uh, but we do not uh, the look down the Russian capability. Uh, you have the history back to the history of Russia, Soviet Union. They are more many times almost defeated, but they would be back. So the current situation, Russia's aggressiveness is very clear. Therefore, anti-war, the noble atmosphere of the Russian armies, of Russian peoples. But once Ukraine deeply went into the real Russians' territories, like uh, Crimea is a kind of a test. It's like a bridge, but more like Crimea itself. Russians uh, again unite much more and to save their territories. Then confrontation has long, 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 long lasted. But that depends then where, I guess, Ukraine and its supporters draw the line when they say, that's it, that's, that's well, victory as far as we're saying. Putin says that mobilization of their peoples more and the threat by use of possible use of nuclear weapons. I think that it is a signal to the NATO not to support Ukraine more. This is a line of, of uh, tolerance. Do, do you see, um, I mean, before I go to the uh, question about uh, Prime Minister Abe, do you see a a kind of a resolution to the Ukraine conflict, or do you see it, I, I think, as, as something that's going to be permanently, permanently a friction, permanently unresolved? What, what do you see? The, the current situation? Yeah. How, you, how that, do you see it? I think that, the, of course, the line would be changed either by force by force. But the, this situation almost fixed and in 10 years at least. So I called it a new second new Cold War. So the uh, post-Cold War, happy 30 years, as I said, ended completely. Uh, the uh, post-Cold War period, we never use this term. Uh, I prefer use the, the uh, interglacial period because the like an interwar period, one, two, greater war, and the first Cold War, second war, between the kind of the ice ages. So, uh, in that sense, we should prepare for the long term, the uh, tensions and fixed uh, confrontation, even not so hot. So, an interglacial period. I like that. It's a it's a, it's a really powerful uh, metaphor, powerful image. To conclude our conversation, uh, any observations on what you see as the legacy of uh, Abe Shinzo in? Uh, in foreign policy, in security policy, and in Japan's future? This is a tough question. Uh, the uh, Abe Shinzo uh, passed away recently. Uh, I hesitate to criticize him so much, particularly with before foreign uh, peoples. 
the but I've been surprised the uh, couple of days after arrival of uh, Australia in Sydney. Uh, there are some researchers, uh, very respected Abe Shinzo's foreign policy. I'm a bit shocked because uh, the, uh, he had a good deal with so many countries, but except neighbor countries. So the worst is for Russia. Uh, he met Putin 27 times. It's good for meeting so many times, but his aim to serve the Northern Territory is completely failed. The second is with Korea. South Korea, the current situation uh, in Japan surrounded so three evils, if a bit exaggeration, Russia, China, North Korea. Japan's serious challenges. Uh, Why we now quarrel with South Korea, potential good partner vis-a-vis the United States, with the United States. But in, uh, of course, Korea uh, used historical issues to press Japan. But Japan uh, has a former, uh, the colonial, 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 colonialist country of Korea. Mm-hmm. We have some responsibility to do manage seriously. But Abe Shinzo's foreign policy completely push South Korea on the wall. They cut some economic privileges relations. So now the uh, Japan, South Korean ties are very bad. China, I do not want to say. <laughs> No meeting ocean. So we, Japan, should now recreate the never, never country's policy. We love the uh, distant powers, greater powers, the United States, Australia, Europe, but uh, our relations in the neighbors is very bad. So the, I wish our minister Kishida Umio to make this shape the, our neighborhood foreign policy. Look, I think that adds a, uh, a really important counterpoint in the, the conversation about the, uh, not only the legacy of, um, Prime Minister Abe, but also the, the path of Japanese foreign policy in recent years and recent decades. I think from an Australian perspective, we've, we've welcomed the great strengthening of Australia-Japan relations. We've welcomed the Quad, uh, the, Championing of the Indo-Pacific idea and, and so forth, and and it's interesting that you talk uh, or that you 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 hint that um, China-Japan relations are not what they could be. Some in Australia look at Japan and say we would actually like the Australia-China relationship to have more of the the balance. That, that, that I think that, that it's a kind has. of a different part of the relations. A quad depends on the kind of a democracy camp, not geopolitically so much. Of course, geopolitically has this, uh, some much for me- meanings, but in uh, usually uh, countries cares neighbors. It's better for the, any country to create not friendly but not bad relation with neighbors. But now Japan is lack of. Of course, therefore we keeping the good quad greater and also plus neighborhood foreign policy. I mean. Look, thank you, uh, Professor Iwashita. I think that's um, it's a really nice uh, point to conclude on that theme about ensuring balanced relationships for countries that are in difficult, contested regions. And I think uh, apart from everything else, including your insights into Russia, uh, you, you've demonstrated that the foreign policy debate in Japan is alive and well. So thank you very much for joining us on thank the National you Security Podcast. Bye, thank you. Thank you. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.